Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. I don't know, somebody was telling me earlier, I got to come up here and dance. I'm not much of a dancer, like, you know, do the old hitch thing. Matt's going to slap me later. He, he promised to do that. But uh, yeah, my name is Ben Till. I'm one of the elders in our family of churches serving primarily at Bluffton. Um, that's what this stands for. It's not a monogram for my name, so I'm not that type of person. Uh, somebody also made that comment. I've just been getting a hard time since I walked in the door, which is probably what I need. So um, but yeah, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for being here this morning. Like Fritz says a lot, um, you know, I'm going to echo that. You could be anywhere that you want to be right now, and you've chosen to be here. You've chosen to be worshiping alongside brothers and sisters. Um, I want to make sure that we uh, say welcome to everybody watching online at Fostoria. Um, if anybody's from Salem Cast that's watching online, Living Hope, uh, members at Bluffton, and then uh, it, the, the 1111 is going to be watching this uh, here in a little bit. So we, we welcome those people as well. And thank you for being here. Um, last week, we started a new series called The Anointed One, all about how Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Uh, Fritz started in chapter 1, where Matthew clearly defines uh, Jesus as that Messiah who has been promised from the beginning. This, the rest of this series and what we're going to start in today is going to be in Matthew 8. If you want to go ahead and flip to Matthew 8, you're welcome to do that. Um, but we're going to be kind of taking a look at Matthew 8 through 11 for the next nine weeks. Um, uh, last week was the, the first week, and it'll be 10 weeks total. Um, and, and the crazy part for me was when we were prepping for this, um, it's going to be like Christmas series by the time we're done with this series, which is like just mind-blowing to me that we're already to that point in the year. Um, but this, this series of, of accounts comes right after uh, the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Um, and as I went back through and, and kind of looked at the, the passages right before this, um, the one thing that really stuck out to me is Matthew 7.29 that leads right into Matt, or Matthew uh, chapter 8, and it says this, "...because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law, the Sermon on the Mount flipped everything on its head." It continues to do that now, and it flipped everything on its head because people realize this guy's different. This guy has authority, unlike anybody we've ever seen or heard before. This guy must be the Messiah. Not that everybody realized that at the time, but they really definitely started listening. Like I said, we're going to be focused in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 17, and, and there's three major sections that we're going to be kind of looking at um, in three very specific people that Jesus interacted with. But one of the things that we see in all three of these people is that Jesus invites the outsiders in. He makes a way for them so that they can be invited into the kingdom of heaven. What we're going to see is a, a guy who had leprosy. And we're going to kind of unpack what that means. There, there's a lot of symbolism uh, to the disease of leprosy. We see a Roman officer who had a sick servant and came desperately seeking for help. And then we're going to see a sick older woman uh, that was Peter's mother-in-law. For all different reasons, these people would have been on the outside. They would have been kind of held at arm's length. Um, and we'll kind of take a look at all of that. Um, but one of the things that 
that really kind of screams through all, of, all three of these people is the healing that they received and the way that they received that healing. I also believe that there are three truths that, that really kind of stand out from this message, and, and they are this, okay? Uh, first, the Messiah came to touch the untouchable. We'll see that through the leper. Number two, the Messiah came to invite outsiders in. That's what we see through the Roman centurion uh, coming to ask for healing of his servant. And number three, the Messiah came to heal all of us. All of us. Before we go any further, um, I'd like to take a second to pray. Please join me. Father, in your word, um, from a series that we, we just finished up, 1 Peter 4.11, it says this, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Lord, your words have the authority to change hearts. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. I want my words to be your words this morning. Lord, if there's anything that, that I have prepared this morning that, that is not what you want me to say, just toss it out. You've done it before and you'll, you'll do it again. But Lord, one thing that you've made abundantly clear this morning as I prepare for this, as I pray over this, as, as we kind of worship through this is we need you. Man, we need you. And Father, I pray that you show up in a mighty way this morning. I pray that we are ready to receive your touch, that we're ready to hear your authoritative words, and that we see your compassion this morning. Lord, if you are willing, you can make us clean. I pray that you transform us this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So like I said, the, the first point that, that we really kind of see from this passage is that the Messiah came to touch the untouchable. Matthew 8, 1 through 4 talks about Jesus healing a man of leprosy. It says this, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So Matthew 8 starts with this, this account of a leper who approaches Jesus and kneels before him. Some translations go as far to say that he worshipped him. And so this would have been a shocking scene for everybody involved Number one, being close to a leper was a big deal. Jewish law required that you stayed six feet. Interesting. <laughs> six feet from a leper at all times. Unless the wind was blowing, then you had to stay 150 feet away from the, from the leper. So you couldn't even be downwind from these people. Okay, um, they were required to isolate themselves, and, and you know it was kind of like they would have to proclaim that they were coming, so that everybody could back away, everybody could get uh, to safe distance before um, they showed up. And, and the interesting thing with that, the downwind thing, you could unintentionally make yourself unclean just by being too close to someone in the wind. And by too close, that's a half a football field away. That's how far we're talking about here. 
All of this said, the leper would have known those rules. The leper would have known that he risked so many things. He would have risked hate, judgment, ridicule. By coming into contact with him, these people were going to become unclean. But yet he saw the crowds, he had heard the authoritative words, and he risked all of that to come kneel before Jesus. In fact, he actually risked even more than that. He, he risked injury because at this time, rabbis would actually brag about the ill treatment that they had given to lepers. They would, they would joke around about how like, hey, I didn't even buy food on this street because I saw a leper standing there. I stayed so far back. I didn't even do anything, didn't touch anything. Uh, there was a you know, bread vendor, and I, I wasn't going to buy that. Uh, other guys would be like, oh, yeah, I threw rocks at that guy. They would brag about the ill treatment of these people. Knowing this, the leper, who would have likely just heard Christ's teaching on the mount, approached the rabbi, probably with some fear. But he had hopes that the authority that Jesus spoke with would have an effect on his condition. I think it's important to notice what the leper said to Jesus. Lord, if you are willing. The leper leper jumps right past the ability and recognizes that Jesus simply needs to make a choice. Yes or no? I know you can, but will you? That's the situation he finds himself in. Next, the leper doesn't ask for healing. He doesn't say, if you can, you'll, make, you'll heal me. If you will, you'll heal me. He says, you can make me clean. This is actually deeper. Healing would have meant that physically, the disease was gone. Physically, he would have been better. Physically, he would have looked less like an outcast. But what he asked for is to be brought back to right standing before God. He asks to be able to come back and to connect with people. That's what being clean would have done for him. Jesus has the authority to take away his separation, and the leper knew it. All of this would have been shocking to the disciples as they walked alongside him some of which were probably trying to keep their distance, some of which were probably trying to hold Jesus back. If you've ever watched The Chosen, there's a really powerful uh, uh, part of that where where this this all kind of comes into play. And they're like yelling at the guy, and Jesus just like kind of ignores them all. And that would have been the most shocking of all. Jesus doesn't respond by trying to protect himself. He doesn't respond by trying to protect the others. He walks up to him and he touches him. There are parallel passages in Luke and Mark that that tell this this account almost word for word. But in Mark, it's in chapter 1, it says that Jesus was indignant. Several other translations say that he was filled with compassion or pity. And so I had to look up the word indignant because I'm like, that, that strikes me as different. Compassion and pity seem like good things, and indignant seems like Jesus was angry. So why was he angry? So when I looked it up, it says that indignance is defined as feeling or showing anger or annoyance 
and what is perceived as unfair treatment. See, Jesus wasn't angry or annoyed by the person. He wasn't angry or annoyed by the leper coming uh, to receive the cleansing. He was angry or annoyed by the way people responded to him and by the condition itself. See, Jesus saw a man in the leper who recognized the true identity of the authority before him. He saw a faith that this man, in this man that drove him to total desperation. I'm willing to risk everything to kneel before the Father, to kneel before the one who has the authority to make me clean. This man would have been unable to sacrifice. He would have been unable to learn. He would have been unable to worship in any way. And this led Jesus to the response no one, including the leper, would have imagined. This man would not have been approached by anyone, let alone touched by anyone in years. See, by the time that this guy got to this point, he had probably been suffering of leprosy for for a long, long time. We'll talk about more of the specifics of leprosy uh, in a little bit. But Jesus, in this moment, reaches out, touches him, and cleanses him physically, emotionally, and supernaturally, saying, I am willing, be clean. Wow. Jesus says, I'm totally willing to restore you to oneness with God. Not only are you healed, you are clean, meaning that not even a remnant of this disease remains in you. Even so, Jesus reminds the guy, hey, go, go see the priest. Go take the sacrifices and have him declare you ritually clean. He came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it to a T. So the next thing, the Messiah comes to invite the outsiders in. In Matthew 8, 5 through 13, we, we transition. It's kind of a hard transition uh, to the next, the next account. It says this, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to, ask, or to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and I tell that one to come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. So like I said, Matthew transitions kind of quickly. And, and, and when you read through, and, and there's some, some, some commentaries and just some, some background information on Matthew, um, not everything that Matthew wrote down was necessarily like timeline sequential, okay? 
Uh, and so it's one of those questions, why would he have gone from the leper to the centurion? And, and you know, if I am going to stand up here and tell you, I know exactly the answer, I'm speculating and I don't want to do that. Um, but there is a connection that's very important. I think the, the, the Roman officer shows us many things. First, like I said before, it shows that the faith of an outsider, the, it shows the faith of the outsider had in Jesus the Messiah. Even as a Roman, he recognizes the supernatural authority Jesus possesses to simply say a word and heal the servant from anywhere. Jesus' response when he first comes is, take me to him. Let me see him. This is significant because Jews were forbidden from entering the home of a Gentile. Jesus knew that. Okay. But Jesus doesn't allow man-made rules to hold him back. He doesn't allow man-made barriers to dictate the when, the where, and to whom of his ministry. Second, I believe that this account displays a supernatural heart change that had taken place as a result of the centurion's faith. Romans had authority to abandon and even kill their servants if they became useless. I would imagine that being sick and bedridden would have allowed that type of a response from the Roman centurion. Instead, this, this centurion risks his reputation by approaching this radical Jewish rabbi who not only belonged to a group who disliked people like him, but actually were making more work and making more problems for people like him. Lastly, I believe that this sheds more light on the account that we just talked about with the leper. By denying Jesus the ability to enter his home, the centurion grants Jesus the ability to demonstrate his supernatural authority once again. Before Jesus does anything in, in response to this request, he takes a moment to marvel at the faith of the centurion, reminding the crowd around him that it is faith like this that gets you into the banquet. Nothing else. It's not who you are. It's not where you're from. It's not what you've done. It's faith. In fact, Jesus says in verses 10 through 13 that there will be many who come from east to west to sit with our forefathers. Yet there will be many others, subjects of the kingdom, people for whom the kingdom was built and intended for, that will be thrown outside. The crowd would have heard that, and they would have known exactly who he was talking about, too. Sometimes I love the feistiness of Jesus. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to say it. You're going to be mad. I don't care. Jesus then proclaims, go let it be done as you have believed it would. And at the very moment Jesus said these words, the servant was healed that very hour. By placing this account directly after the account of the leper, I believe that Matthew helps drive the point home, confirming the fact that Jesus did not have to touch the leper in the first place. There are several other accounts that, that talk about leprosy. Um, Jesus healed 10 lepers in Luke 17, in which Jesus literally just told them, hey, Go show the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of those guys actually comes back and falls before Jesus. It's a really interesting, really interesting account. The account of the centurion, coupled with accounts like the one in Luke 17, served to confirm that Jesus intentionally went out of his way, not only to heal the man of leprosy, but to meet a need that the man didn't even realize that he had. The need for human interaction. 
human interaction like none that he had felt in a long time, if ever. Jesus displayed in his Sermon on the Mount, right before these accounts, that he's always going to go one step further. I know that this is the line, and I'm going to cross it, just to make a point. You have heard it said, but I say, is something that Jesus said a lot of times in that, in that, uh, that sermon. What the man said was, make me clean. What Jesus heard was, I need to be touchable again. I mean, I don't know who this guy is, but I can imagine like if he was a father, a husband, man, I want to be able to, I want to be able to hug people. I want to be able to, to, to pick up my children, those types of things. It was Jesus's unnecessary touch of healing that displayed the authority by showing in the instant the touched becomes clean, not the other way around. Only the anointed one holds authority like that. In the last section, we see the truth that the Messiah comes to heal. Matthew eight fourteen through 16 says this, When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in a bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. Matthew continues his account by telling about the numerous other people that Jesus had healed. Peter's mother-in-law specifically, but also all the demon-possessed and all the others who were sick. Just like the leper Matthew started with, Jesus sits down and gently touches the mother-in-law's hand. Instantly, she is made well, and her response is to serve. I believe that the woman's response here is what is most noteworthy. Jesus heals her, and she gets up and starts to make him a meal. Okay? Now, all the mother-in-law jokes aside, okay? Like, I, I was trying to figure out, like, where does this woman fit into, into all of this? And, and, you know, those jokes came into to mind, too. Um, but it's like, he didn't heal her so that she could serve him. He healed her. And her natural response was, I'm going to start serving this person. I'm going to start obeying the man that's before me, the authority that, that just healed me. When Jesus heals our life, when he, when he heals uh, us of our greatest need, our natural response is to serve him. Matthew then closes with this section of scripture by, by paraphrasing Verse 4 from Isaiah 53 that we heard the entire reading of earlier. It says that all of this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Here's where we see the main idea of all of what Matthew has been talking about so far. Jesus is the true healer of all people for God's glory. Healing even the most impossible situations like leprosy, paralyzation, demon possession. God is described in Deuteronomy 28 as the healer of infirmity. And what's the greatest infirmity of all? 
our sin. All sickness ultimately finds its root in sin, though not all sickness is a direct result of sin. It's a very important thing. All sickness, all disease, all of the pain, all of the suffering is because of sin. When sin entered the world, so did all of that other stuff. Okay? But that does not mean if I'm sick, I was a, I was a sinner and I'm being punished for that. That would have been what people um, in, in Jesus' time would have thought. But Jesus is blowing through all of that and helping them to see that that's not the case. Okay? All of this would have caught their attention, and they would have understood that Jesus was the only one who could bring true healing. Healing takes the form of physical restoration, mental relief, courage and ability to persevere, persevere through disease, discovering a new sense of trust and dependence on God in spite of disease. I've got a coworker whose, whose mother has had um, a form of cancer for probably 20 plus years. Um, it, it was something that they thought they could cut out, and they, they did, and, but then it got into her bloodstream, and it's just, it just kind of pops up wherever it wants to. And most recently, it popped up in her eyes. And one day she was fine, and the next day she was blind. And, and so they're going through, and they're trying to figure all this out. And, and the interesting thing is I'm not really sure where my coworker stands um, in her faith. You know, I think it's something she's, she's been open to the conversations that I've been having with her. Um, but one day she was at the hospital and uh, I just felt like God needs me to, to remind her of the hope that we have in him. And so he led me to Psalm 146, 8. I don't have it on the screen, but what, basically what it says is that he restores the sight of the blind. And I sent that to her, and I'm like, you know, that, that can come across really bad. You know, like, that, that could come across, especially if someone, um, you know, is not necessarily super strong in their faith of like, oh, man, Ben's telling me that God's going to heal my mom's eyes. And that, that's not what I felt God was telling me to tell her. And so I went through and just started to explain to her, like, this doesn't mean that I think that, like, all of a sudden it's going to be gone. Um, and that all of a sudden she's going to be able to see but what I think this helps us to understand is even in spite of this, you've gotten to spend an entire day with your mother and father. You're standing, you know, you're sitting next to your dad who's 81 years old in a hospital, um, you know, and, and he's, he's getting to laugh and he's getting to, to, you know, to enjoy being with his daughter for an entire day. Your mother who's going through something horrendous is, is seeing, you know, not physically, but seeing how much you love her. Every single night she's going over and cooking the meals and, and doing their laundry and all that kind of stuff. And, and sometimes that's the reminder. That's the sight of the things that we've lost. So even though your mom may be going blind physically, I think what you guys are all starting to see is, is the, the supernatural, the spiritual uh, sight of the love that you guys have for one another. And so I sent it. Um, and, you know, not sure how that was going to land. Um, and it was, it was a very encouraging message for her, and I was very excited about that. Um, you know, the, the thing was that I was still hoping, like, the next day she would come in and be like, man, all of a sudden, like, the, the cancer's gone. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. They're still, they're still fighting, and they're still struggling through that. 
but I know that God is restoring the sight of the blind in other ways. This is also important because Jesus' healing not only includes Israel, but this is opened up to Gentiles. This is opened up to other believers throughout the world. So going back to the, the original person, I believe that Matthew specifically used a leper to lead into this point that Jesus came to heal us all once and for all because leprosy is the perfect, perfect analogy for sin. Leprosy is a bacterial disease that attacks the nervous system slowly over the course of years, causing numbness, especially in the fingers, the toes, the hands, and the feet. And see, it's not the leprosy that kills you. The leprosy just numbs you. It's the little cuts. It's the little nicks. It's the open you know, sores and, and the, the exposure to infection that you have no idea are even there because you've been numb to it. This is what starts to cause the skin disease. This is what starts to cause the, the major physical things that people can see. All of these things that had gone unnoticed by the person with the infection leads to the real problems and eventually the death. That slow numbing is the exact same thing that happens with sin. Sin, like leprosy, kills us slowly by numbing us to the pain caused by its effects. When we can no longer feel it, we no longer address it. When even the smallest sins go unattended, they lead to deeper and deeper infections that sometimes themselves become the real problem that we can no longer contain, control, or hide. Over time, sin becomes the standard and once a once beautiful and joyous life becomes deformed, ugly, and recognizable. Sin makes us numb to the abundance of, of life and we become dull and unfeeling. Sin also isolates us from others. Selfishness cuts us off and we end up alone in our addiction, alone with our sin, alone with our poor selves. For those who have put their faith in Christ, we still have moments of sickness. We all fall victim to it. But because of what he has done for us, it's not a death sentence. He has given us the cure by taking our sin unto himself and casting it as far as the east is from the west. For others, maybe some of us here in this room, some of you watching online, you may be realizing for the very first time that you have been living a life numbed by the pain caused by spiritual leprosy, the sin in your life. That you've been dying a slow death from the cuts, the scrapes, the infections caused by untreated or ignored sin. Today, you may be seeing the authority that Christ has to heal you for the very first time. And today may be the day that you are approaching Christ saying, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. If that is you, there is good news because today he is willing to make you clean. He has already made the way for all of us to be clean. The Bible reminds us that it is by grace through faith that we are saved. Jesus showed that he is the Messiah by dying once and for all, then three days later, rising from the dead. 
Today is the salvation. Today is the day of salvation for all who are willing to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is willing to cleanse you. Are you willing to allow him? It reminds me again of another story of a leper, Naaman, who all he had to do was get into the the dirty Jordan River and wash himself. And when it happened, okay, he wasn't happy about it, but he did it. And when it happened, he wanted to pay for it. But this gift is free. Someone reminded me this morning um, that we're all about like grace and salvation and all of that. But the idea of, of gifted righteousness is something we all still struggle with. We want to be able to earn it. And there's no way that we can earn something like this. A lighthouse community, we believe that the root of all sin is self-leadership. Many of us are unrepentant because we believe we can be self-sufficient. I would encourage all of us to ponder these questions. Do I believe I need healing? Do I believe that sin is the most impossible situation that I face? Do I really believe that Jesus can heal me from my sin? Do I believe that I am welcome at the feast? And do I believe that Jesus offers healing to me as a gift and that it's not for barter or for sale? If you would, please take out your blue card. We, we talked about this earlier, but on the back side, there are some next steps that I'd like to point out. The first one is and always will be saying yes to Jesus. If you have said yes to Jesus today or are saying, or, or you are realizing that you need to say yes to Jesus again, because saying yes to Jesus is not a one-time deal. That is a daily thing. I say yes to Jesus the first time and receive the salvation, but then again and again and again over the rest of my life, I say yes to Jesus in obedience. I would ask that you please mark that on your card. Someone on our team would love to reach out to you because there's nothing, uh, there's nothing like having someone walk alongside you to help you, especially if this is the first time. The next one says that I will meditate on the authority of God's word. Matthew eight seventeen. Jesus came to take on our sickness and remove our disease. I put that on there so that we can be reminded of that every single day this week. This is the reason he came. And what better way than to remind ourselves than to remind ourselves through a prophecy that was spoken years and years and years before he came. The next one is to pray for eyes to see those on the outside with compassion that helps them see Christ. I know in my life, I'm I'm way too often the disciple in these types of stories is trying to protect Jesus from from doing ministry or protect Jesus from, from being unclean and, you know, again, trying to do things on my own, um, not realizing that I'm completely marginalizing still the person that needs Jesus the most. When I, when I put this on here, um, I thought about a, another you know, account of someone that uh, somebody had just told me recently. They were serving at a, a Thanksgiving meal in Lima last year. And as she was serving, um, she saw someone who was part of her family that had been estranged from her for years. And her initial response was 
to get out of line so that he didn't see her. And, and she immediately felt that push, no, stay. And as he came through the line, he was kind of like looking down the whole time. And when he got to her, he looked up. And then she went and shared a meal with him. And she was able to kind of undo years and years of that outsider feeling that he had felt. And, and quite honestly, he had earned. I, you know, the guy wasn't perfect. But she felt compassion. And she felt love. And she went and sat with him. And then afterwards, uh, she wrote him a letter just just describing to him how much she was blessed by that conversation, how much she was blessed by getting able, being able to, to reconnect with him. And uh, she came into my office uh, a couple days ago and, and told me that he had died last week. He had had cancer. I don't know if he had had cancer at the time of the meal, um, but she was just so thankful that God had allowed that moment. And as they were going through his things, um, her niece, who is, who is uh, uh, this man's daughter, um, found that letter. And then she shared a story about right before he died, he was in home health and, and was, was not doing well. Um, and uh, he looked up and he's like, man, Jesus, you're beautiful. And then within the next day, he was gone. And just, you know, I don't know that it was that conversation that she had with him, but I know that that was one of those moments where she could have pushed him away. She could have run. She could have just, you know, been like, you're an outsider. You've done so many things to, you know, to hurt my family, hurt, to hurt me, hurt all the people that I love. But instead she put her arms around him. She reached out and she touched him. And in that time she, she was being the hands and feet of Christ. And so I think this is one of those things that's really important for us to remember. Am I willing to go to the Lord on behalf of my suffering friends through prayer? Would I be ready to biblically describe salvation to a person if they asked me to? How might I minister to a believer who is facing physical suffering from disease? Or how would I respond to a not yet believer who has done so many things to hurt me or the people that I love to, to continue to show them Christ, to have the compassion that Christ would have. And we're going to end this message the same way that we always end this message. I'd like you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and ask this question. Jesus, what are you saying to me through this message? Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 9.09 or 11.11. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.